It has been 1,856 days since the 2016 presidential election. We are now in the second week of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. And still, Hillary Clinton is crying about losing the 2016 election. And I do not mean crying in a figurative way. I mean, she is literally tearing up on television, reading the victory speech that she had written and intended to give, but but never had the chance to give. I didn't, as you know, write a concession speech because even though we had a lot of bumps those last 10 days, uh, I I still thought, you know, we could pull it out. So I worked on um, a speech that really was about my journey and had a, had a real emphasis on my mother's life and journey as a way of you know making it clear that yes I would be the first woman president but I I like everybody uh, stood on the shoulders and lived the lives uh, and experiences of those who came before us. I dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms and saying, look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children. And as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. That video is, and I say this without any exaggeration, the single funniest thing I have ever seen. It is so perfect. Every single thing about it, play it again. Look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children. And as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. Mm. 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 Except she won't. (laughs) She won't. That won't happen ever. (laughs) This is so, so sad, so funny and so sad. This is even worse than that time that Hillary tweeted out a picture of herself on her birthday. And it was herself as a little girl. And it said, happy birthday to this future president. But she lost. The Republicans beat her, just like Republicans are once again beating back leftist politicians and policies in a way that we have not seen in years. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from John Chalmers, who says, the masks are a reminder to be afraid, which is necessary to keep people hypnotized. That is a ridiculous, that's a crazy, wild, outlandish conspiracy theory that is obviously just demonstrably true. When you want to not be hypnotized, but when you want to relax, when you want to be able to loosen up a little bit, when you want to feel good every second of your working day, I would highly recommend you check out X Chair. Christmas is right around the corner and you deserve a gift. And even if you don't deserve a gift, well, it's the time for giving and charity. And so, you know, you you should get one anyway. How about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every day, all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels, 
a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you will be at work. I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I love my X chair. The X chair is the most incredible piece of furniture in this office. <laughs> okay, it's this amazing thing. It's super cool and modern looking. It, uh, it's very comfortable. It keeps your posture very nice. It, it will massage you. It will either cool you down or warm you up. It is, if you want to get a massage in the office and not worry about an HR violation, uh, check out X-Chair today. Here is X-Chair's Christmas gift for you. Save $100 off your X-Chair by purchasing it at xchairnoles.com right now. That is X, the letter X, chair, Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go right now to xchairnoles.com and save xchairnoles.com. Speaking of people not holding public office, Hillary Clinton, she's out. She's never going to tearfully talk about how your, adult, your daughter will be the first female president. She's not, that's not going to happen. Uh, also, Joe Biden's nominee for uh, comptroller of the currency also will uh, not be holding that office. This woman's name is Saul Omarova. Do you, do you remember Saul Omarova? We played her uh, testimony the other day, I don't know, a few weeks ago on the show, and how she was grilled by Republican senators because she has been and almost certainly still is a communist. I don't mean she is a Democrat. I don't mean she supports welfare. I mean like an actual communist with with degrees from places that bear the names of, of Lenin and Marx and that kind of stuff. So Biden nominated this commie to the, the office of the comptroller of the currency. Now she's out. And the way that the New York Times phrased this is that she's out because Republicans successfully accused her of being a communist just because she was born in the Soviet Union. It's bigotry. It's xenophobia. It's nativist. It's all of these things. She, it's not her fault she was born in, in the Soviet Union. Think of Pope Benedict. Oh my God, one of the greatest men of the, the 20th and 21st centuries. Pope Benedict happened to live in Nazi Germany. It's not his fault that he was in it, just like it's not her fault. Except the thing is, the problem with Saul Omarova is not that she was, was a communist when she was a little kid. It's that she, she remains a communist and pushes for these policies, even here in America, even within the last few years, as Senator Kennedy demonstrated during the testimony. You wrote your thesis in college at Moscow State University on, the title was Karl Marx's Economic Analysis and the Theory of Re Revolution in the Capital. But you won't send Senator Toomey a copy. You studied at university, at Moscow State University, scientific communism, which is the science regarding the working class struggle and the socialist agenda. In 2019, not 30 years ago, in a Canadian documentary, you called the financial services industry, quote, a quintessential ass industry. Um, you wrote a paper called Systemically Significant Prices, calling for the federal government to set wages, food, gas prices. In 2020, you wrote a paper called The People's Ledger, where you said we need to abolish bank accounts and make everybody set up an account at the Fed where the federal government will have access to your data. So, 
Senator Kennedy just absolutely nails this woman. And, and he did it in a, a really effective way that he in particular is good at. The, the way that Kennedy talks, if you've ever seen him on cable news, for instance, is he'll talk in this really folksy way. So he'll go on TV and he'll say like, well, you know, there's three, three ways to skin a possum for dinner time. And well, you know what my grandpappy told me, you know, he talks in this folksy way, but he's extremely intelligent and extremely educated. And he kind of lures people in. So he did this with Solo Morova. He opened up, he said, were you part of some group called the Young Communists? And she, you know, very condescending, says, um, no, what are you talking about? Whatever. And then he goes in and he says, no, well, you were because of you were at this school and you wrote this paper and you defended this policy. And, and she's done this even up to the last few years. So we got her. The takeaway here is not even that Joe Biden's a commie, you know, or that, that they're, they're, the left is pushing all of these radicals. We know that the left is pushing radicals. Joe Biden is not a commie. He's not really anything. He just licks his finger, puts it up in the air, and figures out which way the wind is blowing. The lesson here is persistence, okay? The, the left is very persistent. That's how they've taken over the whole culture. And when they lose, on, they just send, they, they send the troops back in, and they just keep fighting, and they keep pushing, and that has been very effective for them we can be persistent too. All right, the left has shaped and reshaped the limits of culture and what's what you're allowed to say and move the Overton window. We can do that too. If we are just persistent ourselves, we say, no, you can't, you can't, Joe Biden, you know, you're just a vessel for what, whatever is politically convenient. You thought it was politically acceptable to nominate a commie to this position, and it's not. So we're, we're just going to say no, and we're going to hammer this woman until she withdraws. And she did withdraw, and we actually can win. You're seeing this right now, even as we talk about overruling Roe v. Wade. I mean, that took 50 years almost, but, but now it's at least possible to do that. Got to be persistent. Speaking of, of people's political stories falling apart, Dr. Oz is running as a, a conservative Republican for Senate in, in Pennsylvania. And he says, I'm a conservative. I'm a regular old, like kind of Reagan type conservative. And I've always been a conservative or whatever. Well, there's a clip that's just come out of Dr. Oz in recent years on the breakfast club, uh, seeming to criticize, to attack and to make fun of the pro-life movement. Take a listen. Now, what are your thoughts on Alabama this and these anti-abortion laws that they're passing in Alabama? Well, that they've passed. Is that healthy? I'm, I'm really worried about it. I, I tell you, I, I've taken care of a lot of women who've had uh, issues around childbirth. The problem with the law as it stands now, and I think, the, I think the law was really only passed to generate a Supreme Court challenge, but most women don't know they're pregnant. And it's only it's two weeks past your last period mm-hmm. when, you'll, when you have to decide by. Well, yeah. I, and I have people That's on the show all the time who've never known they were pregnant even when they were delivering. 50% of women don't know they're pregnant when they're pregnant. Jesus. So you're asking women to decide almost instantaneously if they're pregnant or not. And they, it's also banned in case of incest and rape. And so uh, I don't quite get it as a doctor. And the other thing is this whole thing about heart beating. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are electrical changes at six weeks, but the heart's not beating. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you were, if you were to say, starting from when we can hear the heart, like mm-hmm. when the heart's really doing something, that would be different. Mm-hmm. That's not six weeks though. Right. So if you can define life by a beating heart, then make it a beating heart. Not little electrical sh- changes in a, in a cell that's not a, that no one would hear would think about as a heart. Okay, well, uh, Dr. Oz doesn't think of a baby's beating heart as a heart, and I don't think of Dr. Oz as a conservative or a Republican, so it's simple, all right? And if you're going to nominate a conservative or a Republican to Senate, how about you make sure that it's an actual conservative or an actual Republican? Really, really sad stuff from a guy who 
look, I, this is just the, the first clip we're seeing in the days after he's announced he's going to run for Senate, and it doesn't look good. It makes him look very dishonest. So I, I hope that Dr. Oz addresses that, because otherwise, if, uh, if, if he thinks that the pro-life movement is dead to him, then uh, Dr. Oz is dead to me. That's how I feel. You know, you know what tastes really good, dead? Good American meat, which is why I want to encourage you to check out Good Ranchers. This Christmas, give the gift of meat. Yes, meat, really, really good meat, really, really high quality meat at the lowest prices that you are going to find anywhere. A complete game changer. I'm talking about Good Ranchers. This is a box of 100% American meat that is steakhouse quality. GoodRanchers.com has a variety of boxes to give or try for yourself, gift, gift for yourself this season. You've got the Rancher's Classic for the perfect combo of high-quality beef and tender chicken, or you can go with the Cowboy to have the ultimate steakhouse experience with Black Angus ribeyes, Wagyu burgers, and more. Get $20 off and free shipping on your order with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout. This meat is just better quality than the stuff you're going to get at the grocery store. And by the way, a lot of the stuff at the grocery store, even if it says product of USA, most of the time, it's not actually from the USA. It's just, it's extremely dishonest. Uh, get that good American meat. Get all your individual and corporate gifts at Good Ranchers today. Give a gift they'll remember for years to come. Get your Good Ranchers box or gift card today. Tis the season for open hearts and full stomachs. So give that Good Ranchers uh, to your friends. Code Knowles for 20 bucks off and free shipping. GoodRanchers.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout to take advantage of this offer. Give Good Ranchers. Speaking of public health figures like Dr. Oz, Dr. Fauci, a much more powerful politician than just some lowly senator. Dr. Fauci is now suggesting, as we have been telling you for weeks and weeks and months and months, that uh, fully vaccinated is, it's probably not going to be fully vaccinated forever. You know, right now you are fully vaccinated. I think still in America, you're fully vaccinated. If you have one shot of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine or two shots of the mRNA vaccine, then you're vaccinated and then we can go back to normal, right? That's what they told us. If you just wear the mask for two weeks, then we can go back to normal. If you just lock down for two years, then we'll just go back to normal. If you just take the shot, we'll just go back. And then we never go back to normal. That's kind of the, that's Lucy with the football is we never actually go back to normal. So now Dr. Fauci is saying, well, you know, two shots, is that really uh, enough? No, maybe we, to be fully, maybe you'll need a third. If you want to talk about what optimal protection is, I don't think anybody would argue that optimal protection is going to be with a third shot. Whether or not it officially gets changed in the definition I think that's going to be considered literally on a daily basis. That's always on the table. Always on the table because this and this discussion has been going on for a bit. And I was just kind of with this data coming in this morning, I'm kind of stuck with, is it a matter now of when, not if the definition of fully vaccinated changes? You know, my own personal opinion, Kate, is what you said is correct. It's going to be a matter of when, not if. Dr. Fauci is not known for his consistency, right? He says, don't wear the masks. Masks are dumb. And then five seconds later, he says, wear the mask. You have to. It's very important. What do you want? He's, he's not known for his consistency. But he contradicted himself in the same breath, in the same statement. During that segment, he actually contradicted himself. 
Initially, he said, look, is the, is the official definition of fully vaccinated ever going to change to three shots? I don't know. Maybe, look, it'd be good if you get three, but I don't know if the definition will change. And then the woman on TV says, well, yeah, but don't you think it's a matter of when, not if the definition changes? He goes, yeah, I do. Bro, you just, just 15 seconds earlier, you you said that it, it wouldn't necessarily change officially. Now you're saying it will. It's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. But if you don't believe Dr. Fauci, you're denying science because he is the physical embodiment of science, which changes apparently by the second. Didn't know that. There's no end to that. Dr. Fauci changed his mind in the same breath and he's going to change it again and he's going to change it again and there's not going to be any end to it. And if you wear the masks, that's not going to help you get back to normal. And if you take the 10th booster, that's not going to help you get back to normal. And if you just lock down for a few more, it's not, none of this, none of this is going to help you get back to normal. If you want to get back to some semblance of normal society, there is one way to do it that will be more effective than anything else. And that is firing Dr. Fauci and banishing him to St. Helena. That's your best shot. And even then, I'm not sure you go back to normal. But certainly, appeasing this lunatic is not going to help you do it. Stop being Charlie Brown watching Lucy with the football. Now, Fauci went on. There's never any shortage of hot air for Dr. Fauci to blow out of his mouth. Dr. Fauci went on to castigate people who are not following his every whim. And he says, it's, it's long past time that we put communal responsibility above individual rights. In New York, we're seeing the, the mayor introduce a vaccine mandate, the first of its kind for the private sector. Is this the kind of mitigation tool that you see in our future, in your professional opinion? You know, Francis, we, no one likes to be mandating for people to do things that they might be hesitant to do. But quite frankly, You have to, when you're in the middle of what we call a historic experience of the worst pandemic of a respiratory disease in the last hundred years, we have to put the communal responsibility ahead of individual preferences. So although no one, myself included, likes to be told what you have to do, sometimes if you don't come to the realization that it is good for yourself, for your family, and for the communal good, then mandates or requirements become necessary. So first of all, this guy is obviously lying through his teeth. Nothing gives him a greater thrill than telling people to do things they don't want to do. That is, first of all, his entire career, that's his field, right? Public health, government, bureaucrat, public health, is the whole point of that is to tell people on a huge scale what to do, to tell them to do things that they very likely do not want to do. And he loves it and he gets a thrill out of it. And it's the high point of his career and probably the high point of his life. So that part is dishonest. But what about the point Dr. Fauci is making? He's saying that at a certain point, you've got to care about the good of the community above the perceived rights of the individual. On that point, he's absolutely right. He's right. He's right. And a lot of conservatives don't get it. A lot of conservatives are digging in their heels on this idea that the common good, the good of the community, 
never can make any claims on my individual rights, whether they're real or imagined. But that's not true. That has no basis in conservatism. That idea has no basis in American history. That has no basis in the classical tradition. It's not, I hate to say that Fauci is right on this point, but he, he is right in principle. He's just wrong in practice. The reason that these actions are not justified, the locking down, the taking all of this power, the upending our way of life, the indefinite rule of the public health technocrats, the reason they're not justified is not because the common good can never make a claim on our individual rights. The reason they're not justified is because the woo flu does not affect enough people severely enough and the policies that have been put in place are not effective enough to justify it. I know that's a less satisfying answer than some really cheap, shallow, ideological point that you can write on the back of a napkin, but that's the reason. It's not even the principle, it's the particulars. If the black death broke out in the United States, I guess now you'd have to call it death of color because black death would not be politically correct. If the bubonic plague broke out in the United States, and let's say it was a disease even worse than the bubonic plague, and we didn't have treatments and 80% of the country were dropping dead and were highly transmissible. Are you, you're seriously telling me that the public health bureaucracy would have no right to prioritize the common good and, and saving the American people over certain individual rights? Of course they would have that right. Of course they would have certain emergency powers. And of course the common good is a real thing that we see referred to in the constitution of the United States for one in the preamble that we see referred to in so many of the founding documents, and that we see referred to in all serious political philosophy. No, of course they would have that claim. But this ain't it. The infection fatality rate for the Wuhan virus is extremely low. And when you take out very specific groups, elderly people, people who are extremely unhealthy, then the infection fatality rate drops even lower. 0.005% in some cases, 0.003% for some groups. The, the median age of a COVID death for much of this epidemic, we'll call it whatever you want, has been higher than the life expectancy in the United States. So obviously there are specific groups that need to be protected, but for most people, it's not as huge a deal. And the mitigation measures, by the way, that have been put into place have not been as effective as the libs told us they would be. In, up to and including the vaccines, which is why we're now talking about how we need a third shot and a fourth shot and booster after booster after booster, which you would not need, obviously, if the vaccine were more effective or as effective as we were told it was in the first place. It's the particulars, not the principle we should focus on. The, the, the left's principles are very often BS too. You can see this down in Virginia right now. So there's a famous statue of General Robert E. Lee. This statue stood in Charlottesville, Virginia. A lot of the protests on the left and the right in Charlottesville a few years ago in 2017 came about as a result of this effort by the left to tear down a statue of Robert E. Lee. Now, what, what the conservatives said at that time is no matter what you think of the South, no matter what you think of Robert E. Lee even, who was actually a very noble guy, might have fought for a bad cause, but very noble guy, we shouldn't be tearing down history like this. And the point of having these kinds of statues and the point of, of having some recognition of Southern heritage is that 
We fought this bloody civil war, but then America came back together with malice toward none and charity for all, in the words of Abraham Lincoln. And so we shouldn't undermine all of that and say that the South is this evil, awful, terrible place that's completely irredeemable. Don't do that. Don't erase history. And the libs told us, no, we're not erasing history. We're just going to, we're going to tear it down, but we're going to put it in a museum. And I guess that's true. We've just found out though, before they put it in the museum, they're going to melt the statue down into liquid metal and then sculpt it into something else. But they're not erasing history, they say. You know, one thing that you ought to erase is your unnecessarily high mortgage payments, which is why I would strongly recommend you check out American Financing. What if you could lower your mortgage rate without adding years to your loan, potentially saving hundreds of dollars a month and tens of thousands long term? Well, fortunately for you, it is possible when you call American Financing, America's home for home loans. You will start with a free mortgage review from one of their salary-based mortgage experts so you can understand all of your home loan options. From flexible terms to competitive rates and fast closings, they have got you covered. You really can save up to $1,000 a month with these guys. And you can choose any term 10 years and over. Custom loans do not get any better than this. So what are you waiting for? Make the 10-minute no-obligation call right now. Learn the options. Get these savings as soon as possible. That's 800-658-5696. What's that number? Number is 800-658-5696. Or if you are more digitally inclined, go to AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 1823342, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. So far, the Daily Wire's lawsuit against the Biden vaccine mandate is working. It's working extremely well. Not only has the OSHA mandate received a nationwide stay, it's not being put into effect. This week, a federal court enjoined the Biden administration from enforcing its federal contractor vaccine mandate as well. This is great news, but we need your help. If you have not signed our petition against Joe Biden's vaccine mandate, I need you to head on over to dailywire.com slash do not comply to add your name. We have a goal of reaching one million signatures and we have nearly three quarters of a million signatures so far. We need your help to cross the finish line. Please head on over to sign the petition at dailywire.com slash do not comply, then share the petition with all of your friends and family, and then go buy Matt Walsh's book. Matt Walsh is not only a beloved best-selling children's author, but he is the number one best-selling LGBT author in America, which is just terrific. So go get his masterpiece, Johnny the Walrus. Today, we'll be right back with a lot more. The libs told us that they are not tearing down statues to destroy them or to topple history. They are doing it to change the public spaces to be more reflective of the society we are today. But they're going to keep all those statues in museums, right? And some of us, hate to say I told you so, knew that was BS. Wasn't a great idea to begin with and it was not going to really happen. So now we're finding out that the statue of of Robert E. Lee from Charlottesville is going to be... uh, Uh, donated to an African-American heritage organization. We're not sure which one, what the group is. Uh, And then it will be melted down and turned into another public piece of art. All that they told us about not destroying history is BS. This is a full-on cultural revolution that is designed to topple every single thing that we have known to be America. They're not going to stop with the South or the Confederacy or Robert E. Lee. They're going to go on and already have gone on to Washington and Jefferson and U.S. Grant, 
the Union General and Abraham Lincoln who freed the slaves. It doesn't matter. They want to topple and destroy and melt down to its very essence every single thing that has ever been recognizable as American. This is a really good symbol. It's a really sad thing, but it's a really good symbol. Melting down and t- transforming into something else entirely. That, that is the leftist project. Maybe you've heard about these academic movements from the late 20th century. Deconstruction. We're going to deconstruct everything. We're going br- to break it down. Let's break this down, right? Well, this is the logical conclusion of deconstruction. And this is the point of deconstruction. You break everything down to its most basic bits, and then you reform it into something else. This is how revolutionaries work. This is a very effective political strategy. This is what the, the United States military does, right? So it, it, it can be used to good purpose. You ever hear this about the Marines? Well, the Marines, they'll take you in and they'll break you down and they'll build you back up. And that's the point. They want to take whatever deformities you have, break those down, and then form you into a Marine, into this great, strong, patriotic fighting force. Well, that's what all revolutions are doing. They break things down and then they reform it in their own image. Can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs, right? That's what we are seeing happen now. So if you want to preserve anything resembling America, you need to say no to all of this and you need to not fall for it. And you need to not be a squish who says, well, look, I'm a northerner and obviously I don't like the Confederacy and I don't so I don't like Robert E. Lee. And so it's a, you can have Robert E. Lee. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah, that's cool. I'm good. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. Don't call me racist. I'm, that's fine. No, it's not, it's not about Robert E. Lee. Dummy. <laughs> it's not about the Confederacy. It's about America. It's about America. It's about Lincoln and Washington and you. It's about you. It's about any aspect of America that you hold on to. They want to melt it down, okay, and reform it into some radical leftist monstrosity that uh, if you know anything about modern art, you know, it's not too pretty. Okay, don't do it. Don't let them do that to your entire country. Speaking of cultural revolutions, the European Union is, is trying to erase Christmas. It's that time of year. It's time for the war on Christmas. It happens every year. The libs deny it, even as they wage it. I have a long chapter in my book about the history of the war on Christmas. It's extremely real. And the people who deny that the war on Christmas is real, they will often say, the war on Christmas is totally fake. It's not real. And it's not a big deal. It's totally fake. It's not happening, but it is happening and it's not a big deal. Well, no, it it is happening and it is a big deal. So in in some guidance titled Union of Equality, this was just leaked from the European Union, the EU advised to, quote, avoid assuming that everyone is Christian during the Christmas season. Uh, The EU Equality Commissioner, Helena Dali, uh, advised staff, quote, not everyone celebrates the Christian holidays and not all Christians celebrate them on the same dates. We'll get to that in a second. Instead of saying Christmas time, you should say holiday times. You know, holiday times, like for all those holidays that there are. Well, what are the holi- What are the holidays during Christmas season? There is Kwanzaa, which is completely fake, just completely fake, invented by a, uh, a woman torturing sadistic socialist in the 1960s some flunky professor from Cal State Long Beach who, his name was uh, what, Ron Kalenga. Is he, that's not even, I don't think that's his full name, but then he called himself Milana Karenga and he's just a complete psycho degenerate. So there's that, which is celebrated by virtually no one. There's, I guess there's Hanukkah, which is a minor holiday, even for Jews, right? It's not a major holiday, even for Jews. Uh, and there's, uh, 
There's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. That was yesterday. Something tells me that's not what the EU is referring to. There, well, there's winter solstice for the like five pagans out there. I don't, that's not real. Um, oh, it's Christmas. It's just Christmas. It, that's the holiday. <laughs> okay. But we have to deny that. We don't deny other hot, but we have to deny Christmas and make everything secular. The guidelines also say that members of the EU should avoid using names like Maria and John that originate in Christianity and instead use multicultural options such as, I'm not joking, Malika and Julio. So you can't, Europe cannot refer to Maria and John. They have to refer to Malika and Julio. Okay. The reason I mention this story is that Pope Francis, who is often painted as a liberal at the least, if not an outright communist in the public media. Pope Francis has just come out and said, this is terrible. He, he referred to it as an anachronism of watered down secularism. He said, in history, many, many dictatorships have tried to do this sort of thing. Think of Napoleon. From there, think of the Nazi dictatorship. Think of the communist one. Christmas is Christmas. It's not just some secular holiday. And it's preposterous to pretend that it is. You, you see the same thing now with the libs. Uh, they have tried to get rid of the, the phrase BC and AD to refer to time before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. They've tried to get rid of that, but they use all the same numbers. So now instead of saying this, such and such happened in 253 BC, they'll say it happened in 253 BCE, before the common era. And then they'll say, instead of AD, they'll say CE, common era, but it's referring to the era of Christianity. So it's just a joke. It's, it is Christian. You can't, Europe is Christian. Europe is a Christian, it certainly was Christian. I think it still has a lot of Christianity to it. Whatever we refer to as Europe is Christian. So you, if you get rid of the Christianity, you get rid of the Europe. You can't have all the stuff you can't have all the trappings of Christianity, but then pull Christ out of it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work for a very long time. Secularization is not only bad, it's extremely stupid. It can't happen. We, we try to do this in America. We say, look, you don't need religion to be moral or, or, or spiritual. You know, look, we just look, we're just good people. We just know that we should love our neighbor as ourselves and love the Lord our God above all things. We just know that we need to follow the Ten Commandments. We just know that we need to treat one another in the ways that were developed over millennia of Christendom. We just know it. We know that there are truths that are self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We just know that. Why do we know that, dum-dum? We know that. We know that because of Christianity. That's where that comes from. So you can't, if you take God out of it, if you take the creator of all things and the legislator of the moral law and the great moral order, if you take him away, then you lose the moral order too. You lose all of it. Why? Why do we, why, how do we know that we're endowed with unalienable, if there's no creator to endow us with them, how do you know we're endowed with rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? You don't. It's just fake. Why be good? If we're all just worm food, if we're all just walking worm food who think that we're alive because of some pistons randomly firing in our brain, if life is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing, then what does it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. If there's no meaning in the world, then certainly there's no human rights. Certainly there's no natural rights. There's not good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So, so what happens to civilization? It doesn't make any sense. Great stuff from the Pope. Great stuff. He does, you know, 
people criticize the Pope when he says things that are a little strange, but he's absolutely right on this point. Speaking of Christmas, did you know that the Fox News Christmas tree caught fire in Manhattan? It just caught fire. Like, I don't know. I guess someone was pitching some fire and it caught it, right? That's what it, that was the New York Times headline. Fox News Christmas tree catches fire in Manhattan. Now they've since changed the headline because it got so much flack. Trees don't just catch fire generally. Usually someone lights them on fire, as was the case at Fox. At Fox, someone went up on 6th Avenue and lit the tree on fire because they don't like Fox News, presumably. Just like how SUVs don't, don't drive themselves into Christmas parades. They are driven by people. Just like guns don't just randomly kill people in Chicago. We've got to stop the gun problem in Chicago. We've got to stop these guns. It's not guns. It's criminals. Those are, that's who's killing people in Chicago. It's criminals driving the SUV. It's criminals setting the tree on fire. But the libs won't admit that. The libs are happy to assign blame and guilt even when it's not real uh, if it fits their narrative. Like Kyle Rittenhouse, who shot people in self-defense who were trying to kill him. They said he's an awful, terrible murderer who needs to be thrown in the clink forever. But when it comes to, and, and that tr- turned out not to be true, and, and Rittenhouse was exonerated. But when it comes to their own guys, it's just the inanimate objects. There's a real epidemic of inanimate objects springing to life and committing crimes, isn't there? And speaking of burning things down at Christmas, I have to get to this because it drives me crazy. Speaking of Christmas time, speaking of the Pope mentioning that this is a Christian holiday and a Christian moment, there is a myth. There is a legend out there that Christmas started out as a pagan festival. And then the early Christians kind of just said out of nowhere that Jesus was born on December 25th to to co-opt a pagan festival and to to trick all the pagans into becoming Christian. That's that's the legend. And a ton of people believe it. And it is just completely fake. There is no evidence for it whatsoever. There is not a shred of evidence that Christmas, December 25th, began as a pagan holiday. We are told alternately that it began as the feast of Saturn or the uh, Saturnalia, or it began as the feast of the unconquered sun, Sol Invictus, or it began as a feast for Mithras, another sort of pagan feast. It's just not true. Saturnalia was celebrated on December 17th, started around 200 BC. It uh, then was extended over time to last an entire week, ending on December 23rd. It never had anything to do with December 25th. So the connection is supposed to be because the feasts are near to one another. But at least at the beginning, the the Christmas feast was well over a week later. Okay, then we've got, uh, what's the next one? Oh yes, Sol, Sol Invictus. So Sol Invictus and Mithras, we are told that because of the, the Feast of the Unconquered Sun and the Feast of Mithras, they happened around that time that therefore Christianity was, or Christmas rather, was taken from that. It's not true. So the, the earliest text we have to tell us about when these feasts were is, is something called the Chronography of 354. And it shows Christmas being celebrated, it shows Sol Invictus being celebrated on December 25th. It also shows Christmas being celebrated on December 25th. So there's no evidence that one came before the other. It may well be the case that the Feast of Sol Invictus was put there to counter the spread of Christianity. It might, might be the case that Christmas was there first. The reason that December 25th was chosen is because of its connection to Good Friday, to the crucifixion. The idea is that uh, it was 
commonly held uh, at, in the first and second century that a divine, and before that, that a divine life would be perfect. So there would be a connection from conception to death. And so because Christ dies on Good Friday, then Christ must have been conceived on Good Friday. And what happens nine months after Good Friday? Christmas. Which, by the way, shows you that these early Christians believed that life begins at conception as well. Just, just a little brief interlude in our discussion of politics and our laughing about Hillary Clinton and our talking about all the things that are going on on Capitol Hill to remind you that there are a lot of these legends that are bogus. They are anti-Christian. They are trying to do, as Pope Francis observes, they're trying to secularize everything and erase Christianity from the public square. And it's just BS. Do not believe it. Do not believe that at all. There are a lot of myths in our politics, a lot of legends. Here's, here's one of the most predominant myths today. That on January 6th, a day that will live in infamy on January 6th, the terrorist insurrectionists almost conquered the United States. Thomas Conover. Remember that name, Thomas Conover of Texas. He was one of the insurrectionists from January 6th. So he's on trial now. And their evidence from his trial is now coming out. Photographs of him that day. Photographs of him smiling, thumbs up, sipping a Coors Light. Yes, that's right. Remember that face. Remember that face of that terrorist. The myth, that, that lager sipping monster who nearly brought the global hegemon to its knees. Does he, if you're watching this right now, does this guy look like the kind of person who's going to bring the world's superpower crumbling down? Or does he look like a, a sort of excited and eccentric political activist who made it into the Capitol, was, was up to such surreptitious sedition seditious activities that he was taking photos, sipping his Coors Light, and then he sort of left. He's been charged. He's been charged, not with drinking watered-down beer. He's been charged with four misdemeanors, including entering restricted grounds, disorderly conduct, and unlawful protest in the Capitol. He has not yet entered a plea. The libs did not want us to see these photos. The libs wanted us to believe that this was a well-organized terrorist group that went in armed to the hilt. They weren't armed, by the way, but that, that they were armed to the hilt and they were killing people and killing cops and taking over the country. It didn't happen. The only person who was killed in the political violence was one of the right-wingers, was Ashley Babbitt, who was killed by a cop, Air, Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt. They didn't want us to see these photos because the photos contradict the narrative. You can't look at these photos and say this was the insurrection to take down the country. It wasn't. Might have been eccentric people. Might have been disorderly. Maybe they deserve to be charged with these misdemeanors or whatever. You know what they don't deserve? To be thrown in solitary confinement for months and months on end. You know what they don't deserve? To be called traitors and seditionists and terrorists. Because they manifestly are not those things. So the best they've got, disorderly conduct, unlawful protest in the Capitol, how many libs have done that in just the last five, 10 years? How many times has there been some group of crazy libs, whether it was the pink shirt ladies or the pink hat ladies or what the left wingers breaking and screaming, interrupting Senate testimony and breaking into the, how many times has that happened? 
countless times, just in my own life. But, but they face very few consequences, if any. And then the conservatives who do it, the right-wingers who do it, get the book thrown at them. This is what is so wrong about what's going on with January 6th. Is it's not that the, the January 6th people didn't do anything wrong. I guess it's probably not legal to sip a Coors outside, right? That's probably not legal either. It's not that, that it's completely innocent people in on completely made up charges. It's that it's people who are in on extremely trumped up charges. That's why they're the nearest thing to political dissidents that we have in the United States. And the libs have to keep up this narrative that their guy, when their guys burn down the country for six months, that's good. They're mostly peaceful protesters. And when a dude shows up sipping a Coors Light, taking pictures in the Capitol Rotunda, he's a terrorist who should be sent to Guantanamo Bay. Speaking of the lib narrative breaking down, more bad news for Kamala Harris. A, uh, a new poll ad from Rasmussen says that a majority of voters do not believe that Kamala Harris has what it takes to be president. Not a majority of Republicans, not a, ma- a clear majority of all voters. 55% quote, don't think the vice president is qualified for the top job. 46%, so almost half the country says that she is not at all qualified. <laughs> not, not even like a little bit. 40% of voters believe that Harris does have the traits to become president. And 23% say that she's very qualified. So you got 40% not qualified. Or 40% say qualified, 55% say not qualified. I guess 5% very confused. Why do people think this? What the libs are telling us is that people have this negative view of Kamala Harris, including many, many Democrats, because she's a woman She's a woman of color. She's Indian and part Jamaican, I think, even though I think she's descended from slave owners, as her dad said, and not, you know, but whatever. I don't, I don't want to play the game, the identity politics game. That's why she is disliked. That's why people don't think she's qualified. No. Do you know why people don't think she's disqualified? Why people of all political stripes, of all geographical locations, of all colors, of all races, they don't think she's qualified because she's not, because it's true, because... No matter how much the libs push their fictional narrative, people tend to have a sense of what is real and what is fake and what is true and what is false. And you can really try to suppress it and you can try to melt it all down and you can try to rebuild it into something else. And it's just, it's still going to be there because we still have human nature. We still have reason. We still have moral conscience. And there is nothing that Kamala Harris can do about it. Speaking of the Pope, speaking of sins of the flesh, and then, then going back to talk about the Pope, Pope Francis, uh, this is like defend Pope Francis day, even though I know he says lots of things that seem a little strange or wrong, or perhaps heretical, he's getting in trouble for saying something that is just obviously true. He was paraphrased by reporters saying that sins of the flesh are bad, but they're not the worst sins. That's true. That's true. What he said. Sins of the flesh are bad, but this is, it's obviously true that sins of the flesh, you know, you do some weird sex thing or something. They're obviously not the, the worst things. This has been understood since the earliest days of Christianity. Dante describes this very clearly in, in his poem, in Inferno and in, in the whole divine comedy. Se- sexual sins are bad and, and they're probably the ones that ensnare people the most. Uh, if, uh, there's a Marian apparition that I happen to believe is true that's called Our Lady of Fatima, uh, where 
it was said that uh, more people are in hell because of sins of the flesh than any other sin. That's probably true. You know, you think of the sins that, especially for dudes, the things that really grab you tend to be sins of the flesh. But they're far from the worst. There's fraud. There's betrayal. There are all these sorts of sins can be much, much worse. And so you, you want to you, you avoid sin and vice and all those things generally. But there, there are worse things, such as deception, such as fraud, which Dante puts in the lowest circles of hell. And to me, that's the real political scandal, okay? And it's the one, it, it, we always talk about the political scandals as if they're just about sex. No, dishonesty, fraud, the, the deceitfulness. That's what the big issue is. And that, that is probably the biggest political problem plaguing our nation. And that's the one that we've got to fight back against and see through the most. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. Look at me. Listen to me. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire. Morning Wire. 